Hello, friends, and welcome to How to Be 40, my podcast that attempts to delineate what it means to transition from juvenile thinking and behavior to genuine maturity. Today, we go back in time to one of the many debates between various Republican candidates from the 2008 presidential race. Now, at the time, the star-studded cast included Mitt Romney, Ron Paul, Rudy Giuliani, and more, but it's the not-so-well-known candidate of the group that I want to zoom in on, at least at the time he wasn't so well-known. At this particular New Hampshire debate, some of those in the audience were afforded the opportunity to pose a question. Uh, My question is a simple one. In your opinion, what is the most pressing moral issue facing this country today? And if you're elected president, how would you address that issue? The inquiry was directed toward Mike Huckabee, the former 10-year governor of Arkansas, a man who likes to slap the bass in a small band he was a part of and actually the only ordained minister of the group. He still is and was super good friends with Chuck Norris. How cool is that? But let's see what Mike Huckabee in 2008 said was the most important pressing moral issue in America at the time. Well, it looks like I'm getting all the moral questions tonight, and I guess that's a good thing. That's better than getting the immoral questions, so uh, I'm happy to get those. I really believe that if, if you define in a moral issue, it is our respect, our sanctity, and our understanding of the value of every single human life, because that is what makes America a unique place on this planet. We value every life of an individual as if it represents the life of us all. Many of us who are pro-life, quite frankly, I think have made the mistake of giving people the impression that pro-life means we care intensely about people as long as that child is in the, the womb. But beyond the gestation period, we've not demonstrated as demonstrably as we should that we respect life at all levels, not just during pregnancy. He initially played off the abortion topic that was actually a big ticket item at the time, but then he went further. He said we need to respect life at all levels. And I didn't play it, but he actually goes on to talk about how all people need to care for all people. When was the last time you heard a presidential candidate hang his or her hat on such a notion? Better yet, when was the last time anyone has? I personally could talk for days about how rare and delightful that answer was, but this episode isn't about the 2008 Republican presidential candidates debate. It's about a void. A void that former Arkansas mayor, ordained minister, bass player, and Chuck Norris bestie brought to light. So hold that thought. I'm going to veer off for just a second. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel like the country, the U.S. of A., is more aggressively divided than ever before? I actually began, ironically enough, working on this episode several days before the drama at the U.S. Capitol, which in my opinion, makes this topic that much more pertinent. Nonetheless, if you indeed do feel as though our great nation seems more socially, financially, politically, and even spiritually divided, your feelings are justified. Sort of. Let me throw you a few statistics. False news, you may call it fake news, is 70% more likely to be retweeted than accurate information according to MIT. And by the way, that statistic most likely carries similarly to other social media platforms. Ironically enough, 
Facebook and Instagram that are both owned by Facebook, they don't share that information, so we don't know exactly, but we can make an educated guess that that number is relatively consistent. Accurate stories rarely reached more than 1,000 people, yet the most prominent false news items routinely reached between 100,000 and 1,000. On the top end, 100,000 people, so it's 100 times more likely to reach people this false or fake news. Here's another quote, directly from MIT. False news travels farther, faster, deeper, and more broadly than the truth in every category of information, many times, actually, by an order of magnitude. Let's just be as honest as we can here. What's the big deal? Who cares if we are slightly misinformed about whether or not Sylvester Stallone has rabies or Mr. Rogers was a Navy SEAL or if aliens built the pyramids? Here's why. The false information that's out there created by a myriad of groups for an equally varied list of motivations that, by the way, spreads six times faster than truth, isn't just about Mr. Stallone's rabies. In fact, it's the most emotionally stimulating information that makes the fastest, most widespread presence. Can you guess which topics are the most, quote, emotionally stimulating? Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Pelosi, Antifa, white supremacists, COVID-19, vaccination, Black Lives Matter, police brutality, gay marriage, celebrity pedophiles, sexual assault, God, televangelists, the Washington Redskins. I mean, the Washington football team. Statistically, the vast majority of the quote, I'm doing air quotes right now, news you've seen and read on social media is grossly misleading or a bold-faced lie. And the puppeteers behind that actual, air quotes again, news on TV are disturbingly effective at manipulation. All right, I wasn't going to throw this stat in there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it in there anyways. Very few of you may remember the 1994 Rwanda genocide. I'm chasing a squirrel here, but you will see my point. In 1994, in a 100-day span, 800,000 Rwandans were butchered, and I do mean that literally, butchered with machetes and machine guns in a gross display of genocide. They weren't armed soldiers. They were babies. They were infants. They were these thin, frail farmers, their mothers and grandmas and so forth. And the primary tool used to create that hatred and kick off that genocide was a single radio station run by a small group of people. Okay, bring it back. That was a squirrel, but you're kind of seeing my point. I want to get back to, to old Huckabee here. Although he never uses the word, he's talking about a lack of compassion, a void of compassion. The dictionary, old Webster, it will tell you that compassion is, quote, sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. If you look elsewhere, other resources online, it suggests that, that compassion is, less about sympathy or pity and more of a motivation to alleviate suffering. In the second letter that Paul wrote to his pals in Corinth, or Corinthians, as you may know it, he actually labels God as the, quote, father of compassion. And if you look at the ancient text, the ancient Greek word in that verse, it's oktirmon, which means merciful or mercy. So this is, in my opinion, the most accurate way to define compassion. If we merge both the modern and ancient text to define compassion, it comes out as a motivation to alleviate suffering based on sympathy, mercy, and or pity. 
So compassion is partly a recognition of suffering or struggle in another person and having pity or sympathy. It's an observation that something is going wrong in the life of another, and you basically feel sorrow for them. But that's not compassion, not yet. What pushes our recognition and sympathy into the category of compassion is action. It's a recognition that inspires a change in behavior by you, the observer. Now, I want you to hold tight because I'm going to bring this together. I'm going to chase another squirrel, but you're going to see my point. Just stay with me. In 2014, three cocaine dealers in their early 20s near Edmonton, this is up in Canada, they wanted to grow their business, right? So these these cocaine kids, hey, this grow our business. They parked their truck between a youth service center and a high school. And I actually think there were two uh, youth service centers, if I remember correctly. But anyways, so they they parked near an area where there's going to be a high traffic of young people. And what they would do is they would call over anyone walking in that area who looked like a, quote, easy target. So when teens approached the passenger side window, each of them, by this ambitious three, was given a complimentary half gram of cocaine in a little packet. Now, why would these three guys who are trying to grow this cocaine business give away free cocaine? Because it's highly addictive. It's, it's brilliant. They were simply hanging a lure, an attractive lure. And once the person bit... They were hooked. Do you know what else is free? And I should put free in air quotes, but I'm not yet. Social media. Do you know what at its core the purpose of social media is? It's not to stay connected with people. It's not to see who's dating who or who's got the best filter skills or how many followers or whatever. The only goal that Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google, TikTok, Reddit, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, Quora, Medium, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, WeChat, their only objective is to elicit a change in behavior by you, the user. But this change in behavior is not a noble one. It's not a, quote, motivation to alleviate suffering based on sympathy, mercy, and or pity. It's not a change that will benefit you. This change is much easier. To stay connected to that platform, to keep you hooked. I learned much of this recently after watching the uh, 2020 Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. I actually heard about that from uh, Brian Chantosh Tosh, as I call him, he's a good friend of mine. You know what? On that note, go to, um, I don't know, wherever you listen to podcasts and search The Crooked Butterfly. Crooked Butterfly, two words, and follow the law. That's, that's Tosh. He's a buddy of mine. He's, uh, he throws some good stuff out there. And if you are a dude who was formerly in the military or you have that kind of oorah mentality and to any degree you're you're really going to enjoy that podcast so go ahead and, and give him a look but anyways uh, enough about you tosh we first become quote users we take our half gram of cocaine we are content that it's free we are convinced that it's harmless then we are inundated with information that is guaranteed to get and keep our attention Information that will get us emotionally charged, information that depicts the rest of the world many times as violent, malicious, ignorant, and full of hate. And we have no idea that it's all a lie. And slowly, you got to bear with me and you got to be honest with yourself here. We become that lie and we can't get away because we are hooked. We are addicted. We can't get that lure out of our cheek or the half gram of digital cocaine from our mind. 
And as a result, we are at risk of becoming so jaded, so paranoid and pessimistic, we lose our ability or even desire to show compassion. And the only actions we're motivated to take are to voice our little opinions, those thoughts that have been created and warped by the falsehoods of these new sources we're using and post them. That's our action. And what are we doing with that action? We're adding to the machine. It's a downward spiral that I believe only drug fiends are all too familiar with. If we want to thrive, and by thrive I mean be better, not just in ourselves but as a group, as a people, as our tribe, we must consider carefully all people. We must show compassion. We must change our behavior, but not in such a way that results in our endless, thoughtless addiction to a screen of falsehoods. We must sincerely educate ourselves, knowing, knowing it's the automated, algorithmic, profit-based, artificial intelligence machine that is conditioning us to believe and behave in ways that keep us entrenched in the misleading rabbit hole of the media, social or otherwise. We must understand that the majority of the problems we're seeing are not just false representations of reality, but they, they are, guys, listen, they're actually stripping away our ability and motivation to help people. How many times do you, do you feel motivated to show compassion after you're convinced that compassion no longer exists? You, you can't. The fact is, smart devices are here to stay, and they will only get smarter. Admittedly, if we commit to a complete severing of our lifestyle from modern technology, we're only adding a burden into our lives. So I agree you can't just go throw your iPhone in the garbage. It seems like we must, to some degree, stay connected. But how can someone use cocaine daily without developing an addiction? How can you force someone to see and accept truth whose eyes won't turn away from lies? How do you convince someone to practice compassion when they're convinced the world is full of hate? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, the author, he writes, If your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it away from you. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't mean we should go around maiming ourselves and gouging our eyes out and cutting, cutting our tongues or whatever. But it does mean that we should consider very seriously the various mechanisms in our lives that are causing us to error. Friends, do not let any part of social media the social media machine or the, any, the media machine period plants seeds within you, seeds of depression, anxiety, envy, hate, paranoia, or anger. Don't let them put that within you. Not only will those emotions be based on lies and therefore unjustified, they're profoundly destructive and they will strip away the one thing that actually does bring a sense of fulfillment and reward in life, which is loving and helping others. My challenge to you is very, very simple. And I have to be honest with myself about how influential this is. Only 26 people listened to, to the podcast last month. 26. And I appreciate you, 26, if you came back. But my challenge for you, 26, just one day this month, one day in the next 30 days, I want you to go without opening social media or watching a single news source. And already you're shaking your heads. You're thinking that's impossible. But I'm going to add to it. On that same day, I want you to take a physical action of any kind 
and show compassion to someone, anyone. One day. We should be doing actually this every single day. I should be doing this every single day. I want you to put it down. Do not let any lies into your mind from a social media standard, a set, from any type of media. Recognize that someone is hurting and take action to help that person in any way. That's my challenge to you. And Dad Gummit, if 26 people have the strength and courage to do that, then all of my gosh dang efforts for this podcast will have been well, well, well worth it. I'm Noah Dean. Thanks for listening.